Um, you know, why is it that like there's always been this like America's number one, America's number one, America's number one. It's like, okay, America's number one. What is going on with our response to COVID if we're number one? If we are if we have the number one healthcare system in the world, it's so great. Why do we have so many people dying? Why? In comparison to every other country, like both developing and developed countries, like why? Greetings, everyone. My name is Alfredo Gonzalez Valenzuela, and you are now at the Climate Frontline. Good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you may be. My name is Alfredo, and you are now at the Climate Frontline podcast. You are at the show where I engage with leaders in social movements, industries, and artists to have conversations that center the communities that are at the front line of climate change. And our community does this one conversation at a time. So today, I just wanted to make some space to have a conversation about both Puerto Rico and why you should vote. And I want to really begin this episode by describing really uh, this gray zone, right? There is um, leadership around the world and specifically to the U.S., a certain type of leadership. And it's not a good type of leadership simply for me because it doesn't bring people together. And in this podcast, as well as my life, I like to bring people together, whether that's through food or language or something else. When I say that, I also wanted to describe a gray zone because it's not black or white, right? So when I make this episode, I'm by no means trying to endorse one person or another because um, for me, I don't think playing the song Despacito is going to make you relatable to me per se. I think we have to go along far more beyond playing a song that is Despacito. And um, when I reflect back on the things that I've learned about the U.S. history is that Democrats are just as culpit or just as accountable for what we are, the, the situation that we have today. And so uh, one, one, one book that comes to mind is really Ben Jones's um, Beyond the Messy Truth. And I think it's a book that I would recommend to my listeners to check out because it, I think it planted a seed in my head to think beyond this red and, and blue divide that is taking place here in the United States where if you say something I don't like, then I'm going to you know, erase you from Facebook or stop following you. And, and that's the end of the conversation. And that's not a healthy approach here in the U.S., I don't think. I think we need to be sitting down in tables and we need to be... Uh, sharing food together and discussing the differences that we have and if you're relying solely on uh, Facebook message and erasing people from your social media platforms I challenge you to do a little better and it's also part of this that this US centric mentality 
that I think often I encounter where the where I try to talk about some issues that are not in the US and often what I hear back is well why would I care about that I'm not I'm here in the US and I only care about me and I only care about the US and so today I wanted to really make space to 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 talk about that right in a way that that is uh, I think will be helpful in in getting some clouds to to dissipate or maybe even find some clarity because Puerto Rico it is part of the United States and so oops it's part of the union right so now we get to talk about the United States and folks in Puerto Rico who are at the climate front line because of the changes that are happening in the ocean that are causing abnormal climate situations on the island and ultimately putting people at risk so with that said I wanted to turn it over to my conversation with Guillermo. Yeah, I want to uh, do a slight pivot because uh, I haven't been to Puerto Rico, but I've been to... Uh, you should come. Other, I know, I know. I come <laughs> we got to make that trip. We got to make that trip. I, I am going to make it. I It's it's on my list. There's plenty of artists, hometowns that I want to check out. There's yeah, lots of man. things to check out in Puerto Rico. Yeah. But um, I was going to say, you know, when we talk about the individuals working in the agriculture sector, who mostly are from uh, Mexican roots, it, it also strikes me that in Puerto Rico, there's also people living there who are having, you know, hurricane after hurricane coming oh, yeah. by. So it's like they're also at the climate front line. So I'd be curious to know. I know you didn't, uh, you weren't born there, but you know, you you still have roots there with your family. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the latest situation there and, and what's your understanding of it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have, um, both friends and family who are out there. I have a good friend from, from college. He was also like the one other Puerto Rican kid I found at Hopkins. Okay, <laughs> uh, cool. And so, and so we, we obviously uh, became and, and stayed very good friends. And so he's, he's living on the Island right now. Um, and like you said, it, 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 it really does feel, um, kind of, step after step with these with these natural disasters you have in addition to the tropical storms and hurricanes you also have earthquakes right that that's also been the thing that's been um happening on the island um and in a world where much of the island right still hasn't recovered after hurricane maria to have additional hurricanes right i mean that that places stress on infrastructure it places stress on communities um, it, it affects the the uh, natural areas, right? Like the like the uh, El Junque, right? The, the the rainforest out there in in, in Puerto Rico, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Hurricane Maria did significant damage um, um, to these natural areas, right? And there's, I mean, you'll you'll still go to. I remember we went to Puerto Rico maybe a year or two after Maria, um, and you, you'll still see right the blue tarps on the roofs right from from roofs that have not been repaired since that since that hurricane and so yeah you know there's a tremendous amount of poverty that exists in puerto rico and i think not i think but i know that's a um, a direct consequence of the like imperial colonial relationship with the united states that the island has shared um and so uh, you know to the point where and i, I don't want to get too political but you know when when, when you have 
folks in the federal government who are talking about, you know, trading or selling Puerto Rico for Greenland and et cetera, or things of that nature. Oh, really? <laughs> no, I think, I think it, it, it reflects um, just a lack of understanding and sacrifice um, about Puerto Ricans in general. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and what we've contributed to this country, both in, in terms of our, you know, a lot of our black and brown bodies who um, joined the military to serve in the United States military on behalf, uh, you know, those were Puerto Ricans who fought in major conflicts in the United States or for the United States. Uh, in addition to, you know, the musicians, the artists, the, the writers, you know, all the wonderful um, people that come from, you know, the Island. And so um, I think that when we're talking about Puerto Rico and what it's going through, we it is suffering from natural disasters just as much as it's, it's suffering from man-made ones and the relationships of and 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 the and the legacy that colonialism and imperialism um and specifically with the united states has on the island both yeah. in terms of economics both in terms of um you know social uh, you know, so, social ramifications, uh, you know, as, as much as you have the environmental ones. And, you know, with the, like I said before, with the United States being the historical big biggest emitter on the planet when it comes to CO2, um, you know, the results of our development, I say are as in the United States, you know, is also a symptom of the harms that it has inflicted upon its territorial, um, uh, on its territories. Uh, yep. like Puerto Rico, right? You know, Puerto Rico single-handedly did not cause climate change. It's not, it does not have the size to do that. It, it does not have the the reach and, and impact on the planet that the United States does. And yet, you know, when they get hit by a hurricane, which is going to be more, more and more of these are going to become more frequent, more intense, more severe, um, you know, Part of that is part of the blame of that falls not only upon the United States, but you know it it does lay at the feet of, of our country. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, a country that comes to mind too right now is Venezuela. You know they have so much oil, and because the U.S. is so addicted to oil, you're not going to see it necessarily in the front line of a main newspaper, but it's obvious that we want that oil, you know, because our, the lifestyle, the suburban lifestyles depends on oil. And so if we don't have that oil, then it's, it's, it's the foundation of being able to have the lifestyle that we, that we so crave here, you know? And I only share that because that's another example of where the U S is having an impact outside. Right. But to kind of refocus back on, on Puerto Rico, what's interesting Mm -hmm. to me is that, the traditional education, the high school education that I went through didn't cover as much in Puerto Rico, much like other topics that are also important. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting to me when I found out that Puerto Rico is part of the U S but it has so many less privileges, you know, yeah, they can vote, but like the shortcomings of that. And, you know, there's a, a lot of things that I'm still learning about the Island there. So we also have, you know, the elections coming up. So I'm curious to know, as, as someone who has worked in D.C. for a senator, 
who has been engaged in this and you are from the United States, you were born here, but also have roots over there. Mm-hmm. But why is it important that people take some time to think about Puerto Rico right now in the time of COVID, Black Lives Matters, and, and, and the election that is coming up right now? Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, right? You know, starting from, um, right, because of that colonial and imperial relationship it has with the United States, um, Puerto Rico, for example, I think, um, you know, you can't, you don't have an elected official who can cast a vote, right, and have it be meaningful in the House of Representatives or the U.S. Senate. So in terms of political representation, you know, all the issues that we're, that folks on the mainland um, are dealing with here in the United States, from healthcare to, um, you know, jobs to climate change to housing affordability, these are all issues um, that impact Puerto Rico. And yet the funding decisions, who gets what, what resources and resource allocation, that gets determined by a body that they can't vote for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so often you have proxies. Um, and, and, and what I mean is that it's often states that have large um, Puerto Rican populations that coordinate with politicians from the island, right? So, you, you know, off the top of my head, some of the big ones that come that that come up are like Florida, mm-hmm. New, New York, New Jersey. These are some states where, you know, you might find representatives or senators, for example, who who meet frequently with those Puerto Rican populations and ha- and, and 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 then also then do work um, with 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 uh, Puerto Rican representatives um, from the sure. island, um, and so. I think what we need to do uh, in general um, and like the issue of political representation in Puerto Rico is, is a debated topic, right? There's a lot of folks who have different views on it. Like, should we stay a territory? Should we become a state? Should we become our own nation? Those are all topics that are still um, heavily debated on the island. So I don't want to um, necessarily jump into that, but I think that all goes to say, right, that for people who have um, the privilege like myself, to vote in the United States, yeah. to understand that, um, to be careful and, and start and do some real research into who you're supporting and how they have historically voted on issues related to the island. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, there's a lot of discrepancies that make people feel like they're second class citizens when they live on the island, right? That you lose, you lose so many privileges um, that, you know, folks who go from Puerto Rico and, and like then move to the mainland, like all of a sudden you have those privileges again. And it's like, why is that? You know, why, why, why is there such a discrepancy in how I'm treated despite sharing the same citizenship? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think we have a responsibility to, uh, right decrease those discrepancies or outright eliminate them uh when we can and 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 the best way to do that um is to be active in the political process either through uh running for office yourself um and being one of those folks who kind of organizes a community to make sure that um folks from the island have representation or you know uh voting for folks that have those kind of ideologies and mentalities i think 
that's the way that you're going to make difference. But I don't think we should ever get to the point where the U.S. I th- I think Puerto Ricans have a role and should play a role in defining for themselves kind of how they want political power and political expression, right? As much as we folks from the mainland, right, even Puerto Rican from the mainland want mm-hmm. to help them, we should not eliminate their own agency. We should not eliminate their ability to determine for themselves what it is that they want. We can listen to them and then make sure um, to help them in every way that we can. Um, but, you know, there's different things about how to how to actually go about that effectively. But ultimately, I think self-determination in general is a very important topic, whether you're talking about Puerto Rico or other places, hmm. um, you know, isn't it like I, I really do think. And then the sustainability topic, I think that's important, right? Like, yeah, I, I like climate action, that. like climate action won't be a, a it won't be a like, you know, one, you, know, you won't be able to just take one idea and pass it universally and unilaterally over multi, uh, over different cultures and different people. It's not how it's going to be where people have to be able to define for themselves, right? Like yeah. how they want to interact with their environment and, 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 and you need and to that have that kind of respect. What we're thinking or even speaking about. Yeah. yeah it could be a hundred percent. It could be completely different and that's okay. Uh, and that should be encouraged actually. Um, because Absolutely. who knows better about their environment than the people who live there? Right? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, what I appreciate about what I'm what I'm hearing from you right now is someone who is critical about the country they're from, mm. and I think that's something I, I I I see a lot with people that I engage with who are from the U.S. that. Um, that it's a difficult conversation to have with them because they don't want to sound anti-US per se. Mm. Uh, and it may be an inhibitor that that they have, uh, that that inhibitor doesn't allow them to then have a conversation about the reality of what the US is. And uh, yeah, I just appreciate you, you know, being honest about, um, about yeah. the shortcomings of the U.S., right? Well, I, I, you know, I think I, it's funny that you said that because when I think about it, right, like uh, even I'm going to say like uh, I don't want to generalize too much, right? But even <laughs> when I, I'll talk about my family specifically, like I feel like, um, you know, when you care about something, you want it to be the best that it can be, right? And mm-hmm. so, you know, when I had my shortcomings – academically, socially, economically, whatever in my life, right? The person who would always tell me if I was doing something wrong and if I needed to do something better was was, was my family, right? Mm-hmm. Because not because they, they they thought I was, you know, going and doing the wrong things or they just wanted what's best for me, right? Yeah. They wanted me to be happy, right? And I and I think that mentality I extend to this this country. It's like I grew up here i was born here i you know i love my home state of new jersey i love my country um but i'm not i'm not i'm not blind right i you can see what's going on and you can see where there are problems and just because there are problems doesn't mean that you can't 
that, you know, it's all bad and that, you know, if you criticize it, then, you know, you don't really love this country. I don't, I don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe in that kind of blind yeah. patriotism. I'm, I'm um, curious though, when you say you can see the problems, are you talking about uh, that some educational experience you had, or are you also talking about the relationships you have through your family or through other people? Yeah. I'm, um, you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking on, on like a societal level of like, um, you know, why is it that like, there's always been this, like America's number one, America's number one, America's number one. It's like, okay, America's number one. What is going on with our response to COVID if we're number one? If we are, if we have the number one healthcare system in the world, it's so great. Why do we have so many people dying? Why, in comparison to every other country, like both developing and developed countries, like why? That doesn't make sense. Okay, there's problems. If you yeah. ask, if you ask doctors, you know, is the is is the U.S. healthcare system 100? We should make no changes to it ever. Because it's so perfect, no one, no one who actually understands that system is going to say that. No one. Yeah. No one. If you look at at the way that we interact with our environment, you can't say that we're doing everything 100% perfect, and we should just continue maintaining the track that we're on. The, the The truth of the matter is, there are problems in 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 terms of rising economic inequality in this country period like that it's documented um, by many economic experts like our middle class is thinning out and we're having this huge dichotomy between the rich and poor that is a problem in this country it's not a problem that doesn't you know it's it's a problem that exists in other countries but it exists in this one and so when yeah. when people are gonna you know talk about oh, we're the most you know economically wealthy country in the world it's like but like what by what metrics are you talking about right like because like if you can have millions of people go on on, uh, on unemployment because of this um covid like how strong was our economy in the first place when so many people could lose their jobs like that yeah you know I think- and i think we if you care about this country you 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 want people to succeed. I want people to be able to work and, and and enjoy the fruits of their labor, right? I want people to grow up in an environment that is healthy for them, that does not kill them or lead to more of them dying. Like I think, you know, I th- want people to be living in communities that foster their growth, right? We we, we also have a huge suicide rate in this problem in this country. And that's Absolutely. a problem. And that's a problem. It's like yeah. there are so many things that are just happening that like are loosely connected or pe- or you know, but there's but they're still connected and we can make improvements and we can still be proud of our country. Right? It's like it's it, it you know, that's okay. And I, I don't want to be in a space where because the minute that the minute that blind patriotism becomes the norm is when as a country we stop making progress because we we we've we think we've reached that mountaintop and we're nowhere close right that's 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 a nightmare in my in my opinion right yeah. like we could always be getting better you can always be working towards something better and i and i don't want that complacency i think and i and i think it's a, it's healthy for a democracy to have re to evaluate itself and in the areas that the people have determined it has fallen short to 
create a plan on how to make it better. I think that's fundamental to um, how I see a, a thriving democracy to, to function. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think the elephant in the conversation is, you know, uh, the current president who, who, you know, uh, is a symbol to the things that, um, that people can express about a country that are, are, are not, are inhibiting progress, I think would be maybe the appropriate way of saying it. And it's, it's problematic, right? And hence my question, you know, why is this important to, to right now in this time as, as we gear up to elections? And so your, your words of wisdom have been uh, do your research. And I'm sure you would go agree with me that if you have the opportunity vote and vote, not just in, in the main national election, but also locally, right? Yeah, absolutely. You should be engaged um, because, like, look, I've, I've worked, I've worked in Congress, I've worked in the Senate, and just because you don't vote, right? Let's say you're one of those people who's like, "Oh, my vote doesn't matter," or let's say you, you know, I, at the at the end of the day, if you don't choose to take your seat at the table, I I've been in these rooms. There are people who are more than happy to make the decision for you. Mm-hmm. And that that is that is a that is a fundamental aspect, right? Companies don't spend millions of dollars lobbying Congress if it didn't matter. Right? Yeah. If it didn't matter, they wouldn't spend millions of dollars lobbying uh, across the organization for their priorities. And at the yeah. end of the day, whatever they lobby for and whatever the special interests are in our government, um, when they get the, what they want, we're, we're we're dealing with the consequences like we deal with the aftermath it in, it impacts your life and it, it might not feel like it's impacting your life on an every minute basis right in your daily yeah. life but you are operating in the box that they have set up for you that is the reality right mm-hmm. and if that box does not work for you do something you, about it you got to do something about it right. right you have to create the conditions for your own self determination And I think, yeah. you know, if you and the one of the easiest way to do that is to vote if you have that ability to do so. Um, but you know, organize, talk to people, even 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 if you know, talk to your friends and family, talk to your mentors. Like, well, hopefully, this conversation is heard by some youth, you know, and they get yeah, excited no, about it's, it. It's important, and and like as a young person, I don't know, I don't know, I'll, I'll speak for myself, right? Constantly constantly i feel when as a young person or younger person right i'm i'm, I'm getting older now uh i'm just constantly disappointed with the world that we've been given yeah right with the world that we've inherited with the systems of oppression and inequality that we have been given and then when we as a generation or many of us as a generation say look i don't want any of that you know in fact i want to probably tear up some of these systems because they don't they just don't work for us sure right and then people uh, like you know people have done the the gall to write like an article like it's like you know you, you always read those it's like millennials killed the avocado industry or something like that right it's just like or like uh-huh. millennials aren't buying houses why is that it's like it's because we haven't been given like like we have not been given the same privileges that your the previous generation had you know and we've been given 
we're doing the best with what we have, right? <laughs> right? And like, we're saying, look, we don't want a world with climate change in it, where people are, we don't want a world where, you know, if you're poor and get sick, then you just die because you just don't have healthcare, right? Like, fundamentally, I think there are segments of our population who are just pushing, uh, pushing against these systems that have existed um, to support power structures that don't benefit us. It's just like, it, it doesn't serve us, so why would we keep it around? And I think part of part of being engaged in that process is voting and, and saying, you know, th- these rule systems that you have created and have voted on for decades and decades, like if we keep doing that, it won't work for us. So we are going to take our voice, vote, and change it in the way that we think it's going to help our generation or in future generations after us. Because if we don't do that, we're just going to be operating under the same rules that we have been. And it's like it's very clear that they haven't been working. And yeah. it, or right, right, or the other uh, other part of that is it's very clear they haven't been working for us, but very like working very well, well for other well structured for others, <laughs> right? Right. It's like, but in, uh, no, it's just like I'm I'm just fed up with that. I'm tired of of of, of the pro- of the problems that can be so that can be fixed if we just come together and do what's right. Like at the end of the day. Hmm. Yeah, you can definitely hear the passion you have for, uh, I, I think, just from your time in, in D.C., right, engaging in, in the political processes and, and wanting more people to be engaged. Uh, so that was my conversation with Guillermo. And I think the message that I would like to leave with you is that if you have the opportunity to show up, Show up not only for yourself, show up for those people who you care about, show up for those people who can't, and show up for the people who are at the climate front line. And tied to that, I think, is to act locally too. You have uh, circles of influence, and it's more likely that you will be able to influence something more locally. So ponder on the on, on those words that I shared with you. And I also want to share that I'm working on some exciting projects across the United States. These conversations that I've had so far have been really amazing. And I just want to say that regardless of the presidency outcome, I'm not going to let that determine the narrative and ultimately the work and the challenges that we face. And my invitation is to you to join our community because our community is going to remain strong. Our community is going to build resilience and our communities will persist through this. So thank you for tuning in at the Climate Frontline. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure to follow us and By all means, share with me your thoughts. I appreciate the messages that I've been receiving the past week. Thank you for your comments, Will and Miguel. I also wanted to give a quick shout out. Feliz cumpleaños, happy birthday to my siblings, Valeria y Jamil. I have grown a couple white hairs because of them, but I am sure better off and a better human because of you. So happy birthday. I will see you next time at the Climate Frontline. Thanks.
The communities who are experiencing the worst effects of climate change are those who are best positioned to innovate solutions. Thank you for tuning in and being part of the Changing the Narrative. See you next time at the Climate Frontline.